now starts the GT. Take us into Saturday. Um, who wants to go first on game one? Marcus, why don't you open us up for game one? And I guess I, let, let's talk a little bit about format before we do that. So um, typically on a GT, they'll they'll draw the scenarios live and everybody plays it. Was that how it was working there or were they doing something different? They did something different. Um, they did a veto system, actually, before each game. So it was a very interesting, and I love the way they did it, actually. I'm a big fan of this. Um, you picked your armies first. Uh, you Okay, sorry. He told you the three possible scenarios. You picked your armies, and then you vetoed out. So uh, there was a great pregame strategy, if you will, of knowing the three scenarios that it could be, knowing each other's armies, deciding, okay, he's probably going to veto these ones, or these ones are the ones I want to play. Uh, I want to play this army against that army, and then vetoing out and seeing what you actually get. So there was a lot of mental game going into it. All right. I love that. And this has been a hot take, uh, I guess, all over the Middle Earth community the last month or two on should the veto system become meta. Um you know, we should probably at least talk about this a little bit next episode, but I always kind of wonder just on the side of, uh, I heard one of the other podcasts talk about, I guess that essentially would mean Goblin Town would never have to play Lords of Battle. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's the downside to it, but it is a cool shakeup. So, okay. Um, now my last question though, everybody in the room has the same three scenarios to pick from though. It's yes. not like there's a three scenarios for each table. Yeah, no, it's each, everybody has the same three scenarios to pick from. All right, cool. Marcus, lead us off. Something I was just thinking about, there's no way I'm going to remember which of the three were in the pool. I think I'll, I'll remember which one I played, but I don't remember except for a couple which one I vetoed because they were obvious. But uh, um, now well, everyone will be just thirsting for what are the ones you got rid of. And Mitchell, I don't know if you said this, but it was. I they picked by pool. So it wasn't like three objectives. So it was like, it was an objective, a maneuvering, or a, uh, sorry, I say objective, like an objective based, a maneuvering, or a unique scenario. It was always three very different styles. Um, yeah. So the I, th I, think, uh, I think for round one, we had Lords of Battle. Uh... I don't remember the other ones. I played Lord's Battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I realized this as I was thinking about which three we were picking. So, because I, I also played Lord's of Battle. Um, the other thing that he didn't say was the tournament organizer vetoed Storm the Camp and Heirlooms of Ages Past. Heirlooms of Ages Past. So we were we were playing from a, a total pool of sixteen with replacement, and he said the replacements wouldn't come until the last uh, two rounds. So we we knew from a get go, um, not having those two random ones that was nice because we weren't having to spend a veto on scenarios that I think are otherwise um, lacking significantly. So round one, it was Lord of the Battle. Uh, I again, if I would have remembered, uh, it would have been helpful. I got to roll off. I picked Angmar. Because it was Angmar versus the, and I don't know the name of the Legendary Legion, but it's the the Wozes, the Paths of the Druidin Legendary Legion, where you have that's Wozes. That's exactly what it is. That's that's the name. That's oh, the I name. thought that was I thought that was the name of the uh, the army. So it was, yeah, that Legendary Legion. So it was uh, Theoden, Aelmir, Durnhelm, 
Sterowine, and Gambling for the Rohan heroes. That's a lot of and, heroes. And then Gonberry Gon. Is it Gonberry Gon or Gonberry yeah. Gon? Whatever that, that guy leading one warband. Unless you listen to the old narrative book, then it's Hanbury Han. I was going to say the same thing, Hanbury Han for me, but Gonbury Gon for everybody else. Yeah. Okay. That guy. I this is the first time I've ever seen Woses on the table, so I was just I was like, wow. And it's actually a guy I played in North Carolina at one at their escalation event. He was taking inspect in, so I was it was cool to see um, see him again. Very unique army. First time I've ever seen you know Woses on the board. Um, holy crap! Like that was. I'm getting ahead of myself, but there there's some special rules that come out in very weird ways. So, Legendary Legion, I had never played it before. The biggest thing was, and I'm probably going to mess this up, they have so many re-rolls against uh, evil models, orcs. I think they get it for all evil, like orcs or a guy goblin. But, and not, not just re-rolls, but they get hatred for the uh, Wozos. The Wozos get hatred, but the Rohan get all of the rerolls. And so his mounted contingent, he had mostly Rohan Royal Guard. I think he had a couple, maybe one or two uh, riders that weren't Royal Guard. But them charging in was crazy. But I, I wanted to do Angmar because, again, I felt like with two flying monsters, the cavalry, the hurl potential, all of that, I feel like I had the advantage. And it was a fairly open board. There was some significant... Uh, ruined terrains like in the middle and on the sides but lots of lots of room to fight so deployed straight up uh, he deployed very heavily on one side so I knew I was going to have to swing around to come you know fight and engage but right off the turn one get go he charges in with all of his heroes he calls death or I don't know if he's got a special rule for combats or if they just get free combats or if there's another rule where Rohan's getting some sort of um combat again plus the daryl wine like there there was just so many whether it was hero call hero combats he was using might for I, I can't remember to be honest but he he went in turn one and and everything all of his combats went off and he killed probably eight to ten orcs first round of combat and i didn't that's, that's it yeah, because I, I was fighting within um, fighting within a smaller get go, and I should have said I called heroic channeling right off. Okay, this is this will be a theme. I called heroic channeling right off the bat. I drained Aomir's courage um, four points in turn one, so Aomir went to courage one one off nice. the get go. So he charged in because he charged a model that was outside of a terrifying bubble turn one, and then Aomir didn't charge another person the rest of the game. Uh, he nice. was he was neutered. <laughs> so that was that was an effective drain courage. I got the big three plus just a normal drain courage from the um, the tainted. So yeah, he killed he killed a bunch. So Lords of Battle, he's in position. He's got the uh, he's got he definitely has the initiative. He's up eight to nothing, and so the remainder of the game is honestly me swinging my orcs around, and. Golovar, um, undoubtedly the MVP of this game. He went from behind my line to Juke because he's got so much, you know, blow dart potential, throwing spears. So, so he flew to the middle piece of terrain to get coverage, to get protected. And then he flew to the back line. The second turn of combat, heroic combated even further into the very back line where there was a banner. Um, so he killed four Royal Guard one turn and then was the flying monster in the background waiting, like, where are you going to mess up and miss position so I can come in and hurl and avoid any weird type of combat or strike, you know, potential. The Witch King came in 
Um, did a little bit. He got he got stuck a he got stuck just a little bit in terms of not a lot of room to maneuver because the woes is spread out and blocked, you know, places to land. Um, but he was still casting spells, started draining Theoden's courage. Um, I did. I this whole game, the only spells I really cast until the very end were drain courage, just because I wanted to try and neuter heroes. So um, we, I'll fast forward to probably turn four, turn five, because it turned into a slugfest. I, I thought I had a significant advantage the Rohan Royal Guard without having a courage test, uh, getting to re-roll every time they failed. So many banners, improved fight value. I didn't have a lot of opportunity to go in with my Witch King and without having to strike. So that, that made me a little bit nervous. Uh, it made me play a little bit more passively than maybe I should have with the Witch King on Felbeast. So, yeah, fast forward to about turn four to kill Tally because I've been able to kill horses and then kill the rider. I come back to, I think it was 28-28 at the end of turn four in terms of kill count. And I was about to break and he wasn't even close. And so it was kind of a critical critical moment. Um, this is where, again, the late game, um, Aemir getting to Courage 1, not being able to charge anything. He couldn't heroic combat. Heroic moves weren't necessary because he wasn't... Um, he wasn't the hero going to zero and getting the might restore from gambling. So Amir basically sat neutered in the middle of the line the whole game. And the orcs just swarmed in. And once his woeses got into combat um, on the weak side where they were trying to block, that's where I came back on the kill count to break him. And then I got the the points for breaking. But it, he played a very tactically sound game the whole time. Two flying monsters. I only got one hurl off to hit uh, heroes on horses. And it was just gambling because I didn't hurl far enough. It was the Witch King that got the hurl and I rolled like a one on the, the D3. So I didn't get quite to, I didn't get to dehorse they had in until like the last turn. Um, but scoring on this one, I'm trying to think. So Lords of Battle, I beat him, but the final score was 40-something to like 35, so I only had more. I didn't have double. So that's three. So that's three. I broke him. He broke me, so I think that's one each, or three yes. each. Yeah, one I think each. it's one each. It's one each. So we, we were both broken, and he broke me right at the very end. It was so close. Like, because the... Um, these turns were really long since there were so many combats, you know, from the from the get go. So that's uh, four to one, and then I wounded Theoden. I was not able to actually kill him. So that's another one. So that goes to five. The last turn, I I, I had an opportunity to kill him, and he he hit the fate roll um, to stay alive. So that yeah, five five to one was a final score. But the um, the MVP of that game for for me was Golovar, but for him it was undoubtedly he had a a contingent of probably five woes on the end who were fighting next to Theoden, and they were getting to pick their because they you know they had priority around him where the heroic moves were going off. Uh, they were picking a lot of two v ones, and they had hatred, they had poison, so it was plus one to wound against orcs with re-roll all failed wounds or whatever the, like there, again, so many re-rolls. It was just every time he won a combat, it was a dead orc. And he did a great job of of piling into very strategic combats. And ultimately that's what saved him from a worse score because it was very close to being 7-1 instead of 5-1. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's an excellent matchup on the army for him versus a, a magic Angmar. So congrats to you for being able to pull out the win. And that's still a major win in this scenario packet because it's double the VPs. Mm-hmm. So nicely done. I'm just yeah. curious before we move on to Mitchell's game, what was his good army? I'm surprised you didn't opt to uh, to avoid the Angmar versus Woz's matchup with all those throwing darts or blow darts. Do you remember? Gosh, I don't want to do him disservice. I'm pretty sure he had the... Um... Actually, I have it right here. Hold on. Let's see if I can get it. So, he has Azog's Hunters. Yeah, that's what it was. So, it was the Strength 4, and he had a Warhorn in his army. So, he had... And I think it was Bolg who was his leader in the Azog, and he had a ridiculous amount of the Hunters. So it was going to be so many two-attack models at Strength 4 that were going to be charging. Ah. Um, and I didn't think... And, and with Bolg being Fight 7, I just I didn't feel like my two Heralds and the King of the Dead were going to be a good matchup. Yeah, that totally makes sense. All right, so it worked out to be the right choice because you won. So you're 1-0 with a major victory. Yep. Mitchell, let's run into your uh, Scenario 1, Game 1. So I had a fun matchup again. It was the same guy we played in our doubles match. And I think his name was Preston, but I don't quote me on that. I can't remember. I'm terrible with names, so I apologize if he's listening. Um, but he had the exact same army we faced uh, in round one of our doubles, which was the Return of the King Legendary Legion with Aragorn, the King of the Dead, and Legolas. And then the rest, Warriors, and I think he had one or two Riders of the Dead. Can't remember. Uh, so... We we vetoed out. I, I we I selected to do my Riders of Theoden Legendary Legion because I was worried about. Yeah, I had Fearless Goblins and a Belrog, but he had. I I I think I just was itching to play Riders of Theoden. I I'm not. You it could go back and forth. I think the 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 way the scenarios were, I had a good chance of it become being Lords of Battle, because I think the other ones were unfavorable for him. Uh, either they were objectives and I didn't want the goblins. I can't remember quite. But anyways, it ended up being I played my Riders of Theoden Legendary Legion versus his Return of the King Legendary Legion in Lords of Battle. That's what it vetoed down to. So I have a very low model count. I'm 19 models total because I have all seven heroes if you include Mary. And the rest are Royal Guard. And I had one Rider Rohan. Um, the... let's, let's back up though real quick though. I mean, that makes sense why you picked what you did because you're basically up against Aragorn who has elven weapon unlimited strike yeah so he but, wins if he gets up to 10 yeah. you're thinking good chance that it's going to be lords of battle and you can have a low model army so i can get yeah. that think, even think, though the horses count it's still yeah i think that's i think that's where i was going cuz even though i had the shatters i think they were like objective scenarios where you wanted to be spread out and i knew the belrog couldn't be everywhere at once so I prefer to be, if it was going to be an objective scenario, I wanted to be my heroes, my Got Rohan, it. spread out. And plus, right. it ended up being Lords of Battle, so it worked out good. The um, the deployment was pretty straightforward. I think I did my typical, put Gambling next to Durnhelm, because Mary can get might points back right off the bat. Um, and then I put, Dar I put um, who did I put far out to the left? It was Elfhelm out with them. So those three heroes plus some Royal Guard out to my far left. There was a building right in the middle. We were playing on a Lake Town board. Um, there was a building right in the middle. So he had 
across from Elfhelm, Durnhelm, and Gambling, Legolas, and some uh, Warriors of the Dead. Then in the middle and to my far right, I put Theoden, Darrowine, and Eomir. And he put Aragorn, the King of the Dead, and the rest of his warriors out in front. So it was a pretty typical game, I would say. Um, I lost priority, or I won priority first turn, so that kind of sucked. But I was like, well, even though he's going to be able to countercharge, I like my positioning. I like where I'm at. I like that I can call death first turn and really get ahead on the kill count. So I charged in. I put, I think I put um, Durnhelm, Gambling, and Ao, uh, sorry, Elfhelm into two models each. And the Royal Guard kind of sweep to the far left of the flank and they ganged up on someone. I put um, basically the same on the right side and put my Royal Guard wherever I could. I got basically got max charges, but made sure everybody... All the heroes were within 12 inches of Theoden. He countercharged. He put, actually, he threw Aragorn into um, Theoden, which I didn't like, but I was I was ready for it because that's just the way I wanted it to do. And then he threw uh, the King of the Dead into Eomir, which I, I like that matchup. So I called Death first turn, and the far left, Durnhelm, Gambling, and Elfhelm, Killed every single Warrior of the Dead model on the left first turn. The only model that was Everyone? left standing. Yeah, the only model that was left standing was Legolas by himself. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> who who uh, missed his shot instantly, or he maybe he made his shot, but I horse lorded it. I can't remember. Uh, but uh, yeah, they they killed all the left side. Uh, the right side actually did not go as well for me because I lost a strike off for both Aelmir and Theoden. Uh, the lucky thing was that he went for the rider, not for the horses. Um, and I think either that was because he was somewhat newer to the game or he didn't want me to horse lord it. I'm not sure. Or he was just going for the kills. Um, but he never struck at my horses, which I think might have been a detriment to him in the long run. He did end up getting quite a lot in the kill count. But uh, he went to kill... Uh, uh, Went to kill Theoden, and luckily with my hero combat with Darrowine, I was able to single off uh, Theoden one-on-one with Aragorn. So he only had three attacks coming back at Theoden, and he only put one or two wounds on. So Theoden actually survived because I was able to single him off. Aelmir survived. He was able to tank the punches. And after that, I'll just kind of fast forward. It just kind of snowballed a little bit. I I hero combated off of Legolas. Hero struck in combat off of Legolas and looped everybody around. I kind of held the line with my other front. Theoden kind of worked his way away from Aragorn, and Darwine kind of just kept plung- plunging into Aragorn and making him burn his might for strikes. Um, I hit the back side of him eventually with my reinforcements, and both Aelmir and Durnhelm together looped into Aragorn and killed him. Uh, I think the King of the Dead was left alive. But the, the, the risky thing, I was getting nervous, was because he was winning the one-on-one matchups against my royal guard and he was killing them so he actually racked up nine kills i think um on my royal guard and i was i was one model away from breaking at the end of the game which is the close that's that's very very close i almost broke i was one model away from breaking but i think the total kill count ended with me being double but not triple his kill tally i killed his leader i killed his leader 
and I broke him without breaking. So I think that's a 10 to 1 victory because he wounded Theoden. All right. So substantial win there. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that would have been a fun one to watch. Just I'm trying to imagine the way that line crumbled at the it, very beginning. So death kind of won it right off the bat then is, yeah, is what I think, I'm gathering. The I game was decided. I wouldn't – yeah, he almost clawed his way back. He did a great job of – maximizing his opportunities on my right side and killing Royal Guard and just trying to turn through it. I think just the fight value advantage, the bodyguard everywhere, and then my heroes just burning strikes almost every single turn um, where they needed to and combats on the left side and just getting through that left side so fast and reinforcing the right side just overwhelmed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that army has been around for quite a long time, but I still think everybody including myself underestimates how devastating that is when you call death early on mm-hmm. it's crazy all it's, right so uh, both of the hammond boys have a uh, major victory under their belts after round one let's take us into round two mitchell lead us off uh so round two i drew um the three scenarios i believe uh and marcus can correct me if i'm wrong on this I believe it was Hold Ground, Contest of Champions, and an objective one. And I'm just going to guess that it was either uh, Capture and Control or Domination or something like that. Maybe Breakthrough. I'm not sure. But uh, we, I basically knew he was going to veto Contest because when I was looking at his army, he only brought one army. He brought uh, a good army. It was Fiefdoms allied with Gondor. So his leader was Forlong the Fat with some Axemen of Lasanak. He had Angborn with some Clansmen of Lamadon. He had Dune here with some Rangers. And his ally was Boromir, Captain of the White Tower, with the Banner and some Gondor warriors. So right off the bat, I knew his Banner basically made all of his fiefdoms armies fight five. So he's had fight five everywhere. That was not a good matchup for my Rohan. He had Boromir, who's fight seven, six might. He basically matched me in might with my Rohan. So I, I've decided Rohan was not the option for me. So I, I knew I was going to play the Belrog pretty quick. Um, Belrog, I have three Shatter Shamans, so I might be able to shatter Boromir's banner. Uh, I don't count as being broken until the Belrog takes a certain amount of wounds. So I, I felt like right off the bat I was going to play Belrog. But when I did that, I knew he was going to veto Contest of Champions, obviously. So he vetoed that. I pretty much right away vetoed the objective one because I felt like hold ground was a great one. Rush to the middle. Belrog's in the middle. He's where he needs to be. And hopefully he can take over. So turn one, I lost priority, which is great for Maelstrom. Great for Maelstrom. So he came on with two warbands. He came in with Dune here on my far side. And he came in with Forlong on my right side. And then Boromir and Angborn failed to come on, turn one. So I rolled for the Balrog first, and he came on where I get to, I got to pick. Great. I came in right behind Dune here and all his rangers. It's like, great, going to be able to delete these archers that could potentially pick off models. I needed, uh, my, my idea going into this matchup was minimize losses because in the end of the game, I need as many models in the middle as possible. So if I could pick off the Archer Warband right off the bat, that'd be great. So I came on with them. I rolled for my Shaman. He got to pick, came in right next to the Belrog. Great, everything's going good. I then rolled for my other Shaman, 
and he rolled a two. And I was debating right then and there. This is the one with the drum in it. I was debating right then and there, was it worth burning a point of might to go down to zero and then potentially roll again next turn but get the same result? Or was it worth saving the might? Maybe he rolls a bad roll or I can at least use that point of might for a heroic move to at least stall and give myself an opportunity to get to the middle. So I decided to let him pick and he picked um, basically the bottom corner, not next to four long, but the bottom corner for me to come on with him. And so then I rolled for my captain and I rolled a two again. And that one to me was not worth burning the point of might, especially with Boromir and Angborn. Or that one was worth burning the point of might because Boromir and Angborn hadn't come on yet. So I, you I had opted me worried for a second when you're like, not worth burning. This. Yeah, no, no, I did Wait. burn it. Sorry, Wait. I said it backwards. I did burn the point of might. And so that way he went down to zero might and I stalled the captain from coming on a turn. Uh, so then. Basically, shooting was not really a factor. I think I hit my lash with the Belrog, but I hit it the in the way with the Ranger because I was trying to lash Dune here. I hit the in the way of the Ranger, and I actually killed him, so Belrog wasn't able to hero combat or do anything really, really great first turn. Um, so turn two, I think I got priority. And... I fail. I I forgot. I left out a warband already. I'm already thinking because this was the big mistake I made in the game. I had a warband come on on the other side of the Belrog. So Dune here's warband was in between the Belrog and a shaman, and then my other shaman and his warband. Captain still hadn't come on yet, and my other shaman was in the bottom corner. So I made a mistake because I think I lost priority that turn. I, this is basically how it plays out. I might be merging some some um, turns together. I hope I, I hope I'm doing this justice. But basically, what happened was I opted not to heroic move because I knew that the Belrog was going to be able to heroic combat and hurl through a bunch of things and potentially get Dune here as well. And I messed up because I forgot that he had won priority. And he was able to pick the fight. So he basically swarmed one of my shamans without me realizing it. And then pinned the Belrog to where even if I hero combated and I was going to do a hurl to knock over the fight where my shaman was, it was too late because he was then going to fight the fight first. So I lost a shaman. Even though I killed Dune here and I killed all the rangers, it wasn't in time because I lost one of my shamans right after that. So that was a big mistake on my part. I messed up. So I'm down to... Um, Two shamans left. I did delete that warband. My captain rolled a two again for the next turn to come on. And he basically came on right next to my other shaman in the bottom corner with the drum. And he basically, and Boromir, Angborn, eventually came on uh, right next to them, surrounded them, deleted them, killed them. I was able to put up a pretty good fight with them, though. Uh, my shaman and the captain used their might great. They won the heroic move, so they were able to pin to keep Boromir from getting his charges off. I was able to burn a couple of will from Boromir for a shatter. I burned two will. I think I rolled a six. Great. Boromir burned two will, I think, got the six or something. He might have had to might it up. But he was down to one or two will. I can't remember. But he did were resist you the shattering the banner. Yeah, I was trying to shatter the banner. He was able to resist it, but that's okay. He was down some resources. So he was getting pretty nervous about that. Um 
for long in the meantime he was kind of in the middle and he was kind of heading toward the middle at that point he was kind of like on the side but he was heading towards the middle after i deleted the ranger uh warband belrog basically rushed to the middle with all his goblins as he could um and then everybody kind of just swarmed towards the middle we were all just heading there um belrog got there and i basically my strategy was don't put goblins at risk because I need them at the end of the game. Model count's going to be huge. So I was going to really rely on the Belrog to win me this game. If he could rack up 5, 10 kills, that would win me the game. Because I would just have the model count in the middle. So he, we all met in the middle. He did pretty good at staying outside of my lash for a while. But I was able to get pretty close into a charge range. And eventually, for long, he left him exposed a little bit. So I, But Boromir had finally deleted the warband, Angborn. They had rushed towards the middle. They were there, ready to support Forlong. So I knew if I charged the Balrog into Forlong, I was going to get surrounded. But Forlong was worth VPs, and every VP counted at this point, because I was banking on the fact that it wouldn't count as being broken, and that hopefully I could break him. And I was hoping that I could kill or wound his leader, and then maybe take over the middle. But I wasn't going to bank on the fact that I was going to take over the middle. I was going to try to maximize my VPs of breaking him without being broken and killing his leader. So I did decide to rush at four long. And I got a lash off on him when I charged him, took a wound off of him, which he failed his fate. So four long is now down to two wounds and no fate, I believe. Because I think he's a three wound, one fate hero, Marcus. So... Forlong took a wound. There's a VP right there. So automatically great. The Then Boromir, Angborn, and a bunch of fiefdom guys surround the Belrog. <laughs> so this is like your worst nightmare. You're like, okay, well, it's going to come down to this. But I had one trick up my sleeve. I had one trick up my sleeve. I did do my and flame on Boromir, which happens before the combat phase. It was in the shoot phase. So I set Boromir ablaze, which killed his horse, which dismounted him, which he rolled a two to five on his throne rider, and he wasn't able to strike blows back. It also, so it prevented him from being able to strike blows back. That's a major, major win in my book. He did call heroic strikes with both Boromir and with Angborn still. And he did get to fight 10. I thought you can't call heroic actions if you dismount. If you rolled a two to five on the chart, I thought it says you can't do anything like call heroic actions, shoot, cast magical powers, or or just, strike blows. I just thought you couldn't make strikes. I'm not sure. I think it's that. just make strikes. Ah, oh, bummer. I know. I was going for the the. I no think the transfix action. is the one you're thinking of. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, well, we'll double check that in a minute. But basically, it didn't matter because Angborn rolled the the five on the strike anyway. So he got to fight 10. So I rolled Belrog four dice. I got my six. I was really happy about that. He got his six. It came down to a 50, 50 roll off. And mind you, uh, that four long is only two wounds and no fate left and in the combat with me. So rolled it. If I win the roll off, I'm certainly going to delete four long, maybe kill an extra warrior. I lost the roll off. Okay, Belrog's trapped. He takes, I don't know, 20 attacks back, which could have been a lot worse because Boromir had basically five points of might, but he couldn't strike any blows, and that was huge. And basically, the Belrog took one wound from that losing that fight. That's it. 
So he's still at nine wounds. I was like, okay, we're still doing pretty good. I still have about 25 models in the middle. We're doing pretty good. He's got about, about the same, honestly. And so the next two turns were pretty big. The Belrog was going to try to chomp through some warriors. It was rushing to the middle. We were also playing for time. This was going to be very clearly to me going to be timed out because I don't count as being broken. And it was just a matter of time of when I was going to break him. Uh, Forlong, he he had the might, though, at that point, And I was running out of might. I didn't have might. So he basically had initiative every single turn from that point on. So Forlong got up, ran away. Not able to get to him. Boromir Wait, got he up. started playing 40k in the middle of this? Yeah, he basically just uh, ran away from the Belrog with his two heroes. He did do some surprising things for me. So he, when he ran Boromir and Forlong away, he charged the Belrog with only two models, which I thought was very interesting. And he charged the rest of my goblins with the rest of his guys. And I, with start of combat phase, I called the hero combat. And I kind of, this is where I messed up, Matt. I called a, I, I did a blunder. I, I did a laser check for a potential hurl after I hear up combat. And it would have knocked over his entire battle line had I, if I was able to kill these two models. I said, so just so we were clear, I wanted to see if Belrog is able to move here, he'd be able to potentially get a hurl off and knock. Yeah, he goes, wow, that's, yeah, he was started sweating. Belrog, to win the fight, rolls the six. He wins the fight. Okay, easy. Now I just need two threes. Do you think I got two threes? No, mm, no. Nope. I rolled. I rolled four well, twos. You only get threes if you're playing me. Yep, exactly. So uh, uh, Belrog didn't get a single kill that turn, and now we're within the last like two turns, I would say. So every kill matters, and I was really banking on the Belrog being able to not only knock down all of his line, but save a lot of my goblins from being killed. He did kill like five goblins that turn. That's okay. We're, we're still doing good. We're about the same in the middle. He might have a slight advantage now. Um, next turn. This is, I believe, the last turn. We're all fighting in the middle. Uh, oh, I should mention, my last Shatter Shaman, in case people are wondering, was doing single dice shatters on Boromir's banner. And he resisted with his last point of will, got a six. So he got his will back. And then the other one didn't go off. I think my third will, I either got it to go off and he resisted it or it failed to go off again. I can't remember. But basically, Boromir never had his banner shattered. Um, so this is the last turn. He gets heroic move because he has the might now. He charges the Balrog with three guys this time. And I'm actually okay with that again because I'm looking for kills. I want to maximize the Balrog's kills at this point. I want to take over the middle. Balrog wins the fight. Only kills two models. Fails his hero combat. Uh, can't get more than two kills in that turn. So the bummer for me, I actually lost the middle. And the Belrog took a wound. Forlong survived. Uh, he won the middle. He did not have doubled me in the middle. Um, the final score ended up being six to four. So it was, it was very close. Um, I'm, I think I broke him. I think that's where I got my other VPs. I broke him in the end on the last turn. Where'd you get your other two? Because isn't it three for breaking and not being broken, one for wounding the leader, and then he would have gotten three for more models in the middle, one for wounding the leader. That's four, four, right? 
Let's see. He might. Okay. So let's see. He had. So I, I, if you break without being broken, that's three. So I got three there and I wounded four long. So that's four. He wounded the Balrog. So that's one. And actually he must've done double in the middle then. Sorry. Cause the, the score was six, four in the end. I lost. Six, four. So he was okay. able to get double. So the big bummer for me was the Balrog in the last two turns only killing two models. That was a big bummer. That's really what did it. Because had I killed more than two models, like the potential five to ten that he could have in the last two turns. Would have been a draw um, if not six if, four if, the other way. Exactly. A draw if not six four the other way. So that was a cool. huge bummer for me, but really close game. Really fun game. I mean, uh, he was a phenomenal opponent to play against. We were just clicking all the way through. Like we had these real weird hills and we were like, hey, let's just fight these fights off these hills because it's weird to balance the models. I mean, we were just on the same page. He was having fun. Like when my Belrog flopped on the potential hurl, he was laughing as much as me. He goes, that was really well lined up. Like I had a couple of hurls that went off that were pretty good. I wouldn't say the Belrog flopped completely because in the beginning of the game, he really did chomp through a bunch because obviously I broke him in the end. So the Belrog did do a bunch of killing. It's just, it was a bummer in the last two turns that the Belrog didn't do as much as I wished he could have. But it was still... As far as a loss goes, a 6-4 loss is not terrible, I felt like. And I still felt like I was doing pretty good. Minor loss. Yeah, you avoided the major loss and you got some VPs. I guess the thing that surprises me more than the Balrog is the fact that with two Shamans and Boromir only having three will, that you never got a Shatter off. Yeah, that was... Um, I think he resisted. He bur- He might have burned some might to resist, but he definitely gained a will back from resisting. I remember he rolled a six, and then I failed to shatter like once or twice. I failed to cast it. Okay. So and he Man, deleted. He, he deleted my third shaman because of that stupid mistake at the beginning of the game, which honestly, if you think about it, prob might have cost me. It, I I don't know if it would have, but it might have cost me. Do you regret not being more aggressive with how much you will you cast at each uh, shatter, looking for a more flashy, unresistible roll? Mm, maybe, yeah. Now that I've failed the shatters, I was trying to be like, okay, even if I get a three plus, it'll burn his will. And then the next turn, I will be able to get it. Um, so maybe if I just burned two will and got the higher roll, maybe, yeah. Now that I failed one or two shatters, yeah, hindsight. But I think I would have done the same thing had I had to do it again it's the single will shatters they go off on a three plus it's just so reliable and it just churns through their resources a lot of times so yeah all right well good uh, good recap of game number two even though you didn't get my 40k joke i don't play 40k i didn't get it well you must because you kept saying he got the initiative oh i see, I yes. see. all right marcus been around games workshop <laughs> All right. I had to at least point out my joke. All right. So, Marcus, let's hear about game two for you. No, being a peanut gallery was laughing hard enough. So, like, hey, just need, as the director of this shindig, (laughs) I need to call your attention. We will take time to circle back to the brilliant joke of the host. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. So, my game two, um, we're going to come back. I think Mitchell and I played on this board probably two or three more times for the rest of the tournament. This is a popular board. It was really cool, and there's a reason for it, because it's important to my strategy. It was a desert oasis, and it was set up where the the oasis was in the middle, and it was surrounded by, in an almost circle fashion by some trees, single trees, so it created this really um, cool center effect. And then in each quadrant of the board, very symmetric 
that it was very is it asymmetric is the word um, there was uh, either a house or series of houses in each corner and so very um, very open board I was playing same scenarios we ended up picking hold ground because I had uh, for my evil for my armies it was either the king of the dead or it was Angmar and his I was playing against a guy who brought Gondor pure Gondor and Azog's I think it was Azog's legion was the second force it was either hunters or legion I can't remember and so um you're about to say something no I'm just thinking that's a tough choice because they're both fight three base armies army of the dead lines up great <laughs> it does um but i chose because i because we picked the armies ahead of time i figured i would want witch king on felbies versus denethor who was his gondor leader to make sure contest of champions are out versus risking like a, a king of the dead versus azog on contest of champions like yeah. right I don't know. And he also had Warhorns in this army too. Everybody I played had Warhorns. It had Courage buffs. So like my whole theory about maybe going up against the evil Courage 2 army with Harbinger of Evil didn't play out so far. Um, so okay, I picked... I So uh, we decided, we rolled, I won, got to pick Angmar. So it was Ingbar versus Gondor. And his list was Denethor, Boromir with a banner, not mounted, uh, with a ton of Guard of the Fountain Court. Who are in the tall on horse? Is it was it Madril is the Gondor Ranger, the three yep. might Gondor Ranger, yeah. with a contingent of Rangers, and then Hurin brought a contingent of knights, and he had a Gondor bolt thrower. So that was his list. So um, go for deployment. I win priority. So he deploys his his uh, Gondor bolt thrower, and right away. He made a very interesting play. He deployed his bolt thrower between two of these buildings up in the far left. I'm just going to refer to like, it was far left, up and left from me where I was on my side of the table. He deployed the bolt thrower between those, thinking that that would provide him a really good line of sight towards the middle of the board. So then I start rolling for deployment, and I, I get um, the Witch King and the Tainted. They rolled fives or sixes. I can't remember which. So I got to pick... And I deployed both warbands right next to his bolt thrower. And I deployed, I was very specific, and I was trying to think very hard, very long and hard about this. The Witch King moved on first. He went the full 12. He flew past the bolt thrower. So I'm sitting one inch away from the bolt thrower, but on the far end. And so I'm looking, I was like, there's, well, and then the rest of his, the rest of the orcs came on and basically blocked, they walled off the bolt thrower from the board edge, thinking that if he counter deploys, he's going to be deploying between my orcs and the board edge, and I'll have a battle line set up and my hero is completely protected. The tainted then also rolls high and he comes on and he blocks off the, the remaining few inches of you know available area to get to the bolt thrower. So he moves again, he moves past the bolt thrower, um, a little bit past the witch king, um, and then his orc come on and wall off. So I've, I've effectively walled off the bolt thrower. In my mind, I was thinking, okay, Walls off, first turn, I'm going to be up a 70-point advantage. He won't be able to shoot me except with the Rangers, and then I can just move to the middle and dominate the middle with, you know, two flying monsters and a ton of magic. And then Golovar rolled a two, and he 
Uh, I didn't decide to mine it because at that point it was a flying monster and I felt pretty good about my positioning. And so he put me in the far corner. So Gulivar is, you know, kitty corner with his little band of orcs. But they still got to go to the middle. So I didn't feel like that was a huge loss. He deploys. He deploys. Um, oh, I'm, I'm forgetting one hero he had. He had Ingold as well. Uh, the resolute fighter Ingold who people within three inches don't back away. So he deploys Boromir right up against the orc war line. But again, Boromir's fighting in an area because of the way the terrain worked. He had to come on with a squished warband. He wasn't able to bring his full warband to bear. There wasn't enough battle line space. So Boromir was fighting between a house and the board edge. And he probably had four other, maybe five other models space to fight in a battle line. So it was really compressed. And then Ingold came on the opposite side. Again, very compressed between um, some mechanical houses. Uh, it was like it was like a construction site. So again, uh, he, MP, and he, blocked by terrain um, in a really bad spot, but trying to get to the bolt tower to make make the best of it. And then Denethor was deployed on the opposite side of the board. Hurin was deployed around in the middle between Boromir and Denethor up on the top end. So, oh, and then and and Madril came in next to Denethor, way off on the corner. So we're we're totally spread out, but with a huge cluster of models around this bolt tower. So turn one. Um, this is, I, I remember texting Matt a few times because it just kind of caught me by disbelief. I felt like a person who saw heroic combat for the first time in his entire life playing Lord of the Rings. Siege engines don't count as moving when they're deployed in Maelstrom battles, turn one. And I thought they counted as moving, turn one. And so essentially what I did is I put my Witch King on Felbeast and the Tainted on Horse, Literally, when I have a picture, I'll have to post on Instagram. Literally one inch away from a bolt thrower. That's just looking right at him. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to shoot. And after a quick rules check to make sure he wasn't pulling this out of his butt. Um, and the TO, we were playing like right next to the TOs and they were just laughing. They're like, yes, that's absolutely legal. They showed, they like were looking in the rule books while we were playing. It was, I felt like an idiot. Bolt thrower. She's like, I'm absolutely just reach out and touch it, Witch King. Then it can't shoot. Just <laughs> reach out one inch. He was sitting one inch, one inch away. Um, <laughs> and where did you direct your spell? Yeah, there I was, was gonna. There was, was gonna... no. There was no spell casting turn one because why would I waste? My, why would I waste will casting spells on people who I didn't think could shoot? So I could have. <sighs> I had two. You could have still feared them. I or you could have compelled them into you, compelled them I, into you in hero combat into the rest of them. Oh, this is why I guess I don't play with flying monsters enough. I thought no first turn charges included no. shenanigans, but I, your your last story from last game proved me wrong there. I, guys, I wasn't thinking about it. Like, I'll show you a picture. His freaking thing was completely surrounded by 30 orcs, a flying monster, and another spellcaster. Like hey, there was this, no this way is brotherly play. love. You basically just admitted you made a mistake and we're just piling on like, oh no. my gosh. Why did... <laughs> no, it, it was, yeah, let's no, forget it, about my mistake. Let's go on to yours. <laughs> it, it gets better. We're used to that from you, Mitchell. This is shocking. It gets better though, because who rolls a six with his swift reload? The one time he needed six shots. Who rolled five hits on the witch king with his six <laughs> shots at strength seven or whatever it was the one thing that went my way in terms of luck the one thing that went my way is every single shot it, i think it, it was four it was four hits not five all four hits hit the fell beast 
Um, he didn't get any on the so that the one through four or five six for the monstrous cavalry that that helped me a little bit. So everything went on the fell beast and he killed the fell beast. It was fell beast have three wounds. Yeah, he put four wounds on the fell beast. Uh, just obliterated it. Um, and so the fell beast is out. Turn one of shooting and witch king is now on foot, just walking around like a little like crown of Morgul. Like who cares? <laughs> like he is. Um, he is very neutered. So there's 50 points. It was supposed to be 70 point advantage to me after the end of turn one or turn two, I guess. And it ended up being a 50 point advantage to him. And one of my best offensive units crippled um, turn one shooting. So that definitely put a tone on the game. I went from feeling more than confident about the matchup and the board. Like I, I was honestly thinking this could have been um, a pretty big victory just based on how the deployment ended up going. I thought I had the, the ability with flying monsters to to control engagements, and he completely flipped that on its head. So then I, in turn two, it goes to trying to manage. Now I have Boromir. Oh, by the way, one of the best combat heroes with six might who is fighting orcs. Boromir is now right here about to munch through 30 orc warriors. So um, I played very conservatively in terms of I would charge I, I did get pretty fortunate with priority rolls the, the next two turns. I won both. And he didn't opt to, to counter because for the first turn, he's got six might. And if he's either going to combat and, you know, press his advantage and he can't go anywhere. He's trapped between the board and a building. So I played very conservatively. All of his fountain court guard, I charged, you know, two at a time with one orc with a spear support. So it was a lot of one, it was a lot of two V4s, two versus fours with his spear support. And Boromir, I also charged one guy, one shield guy, with a shield guy right behind him um, with the thought process that every single combat I'm just going to shield and then I'll have another shield guy right behind to replace. As soon as he dies, he's just going to get replaced by another shield. So I was going to keep sending him shield guys who could who could stall. And then Ingold, it was pretty much straight up. It was you know enough orcs to counter his in, in more um, traditional combat. Golovar started rushing. He did... He did bubble a little bit around the bottom half of the middle just to stay out of shooting range of the archers that were marching forward. And then the orcs basically in Golovar's warband went straight for the middle. Um, he pressed a little bit. Hurin went to rally to where the Felbies just died. So I had knights coming in, which was um, scary. Hurin plus, I think it was four knights he had, five knights. I can't remember what the number count was exactly. So I went pretty aggressive on spell casting. I didn't do anything at Boromir right away. I went um, black dart heavy, and I started targeting with the tainted who was still on horse. I, I, I moved out, black darted, and I came back. The witch king moved out, black darted, and I moved back. And I'm also trying to kill this stupid um, ballista. What's it called? I just the gaunt the, the bolt door. Thank you. I was like, what is this? For? The Avenger Bolt The Avenger Bolt Thrower. No, that's the stupid Bolt Thrower. That's what it's called. <laughs> um, I killed the Bolt Thrower, you know, the first, the second turn of combat, but I was trying to kill the the warriors and the, and the lieutenant who were manning it. Um, so this stalemate up in the corner, it lasts for another two turns. I, I Boromir honestly is rolling really bad he kills i think he kills the guy he fails the second he doesn't kill the second model so boromir didn't maximize his kill the first opportunity could second turn it's rinse and repeat um i win priority he doesn't have an incentive to really counteract because he's still going to be combating and he's, he's stuck in a weird way now boromir is directly against a house um 
So he's stuck between his own models in the house now. He does nowhere to go. Again, keep feeding shields. His Gondor, his Gondor force is just a um, winning duels, not really killing a lot of guys. So it, it's okay. But her, here comes Hurin, and, and he, it was one more night because I killed two, I think, with black darts, and so it's Hurin and one more. Killed the third one. So now he's down three nights before combat, and Hurin actually ducks behind a building um, to avoid getting hit by you know more magic however the tainted was able i can't remember it was this turn or the next turn the tainted was able to bubble out because of the extra movement cast a black door dart and i did it on his horse because i didn't want to risk you know that crazy resist um on a spell against her and himself so i black darted his horse unresistible killed the horse now Hearn is um dismounted so now i'm feeling a lot better about the the mounted cavalry is not to be concerned they're not gonna be able to flank me in a material way now i'm thinking about how i'm going to get back to the middle right because these turns are taking an incredible amount of time there's a lot of movement as his force is coming to the middle my force is coming to the middle there's a lot of shooting where he's doing individual shots because there's just not a lot of options a ton of combats so we're getting down to there's only a couple turns maybe left in the game kill count is basically flat I've killed a handful. He's killed a handful. There's not a lot of killing. We're in probably turn four, turn five. The bolt thrower guys that have been surrounded all freaking game. They were within six. This is the stupid part. Boromir deployed within six inches of two of them. And so they got the fight value boost. And so they are higher than my orcs. And I wasn't willing to put a, a ring rate then right away and risk a move and losing a turn of spell casting. And so his guys were rolling hot on the duels. And those guys made it. One made it to the end of the game without dying, um, but two of the three models made it to like turn five before they died, being surrounded and trapped with like three or four orcs every single turn. So I, I went way too heavy in, in investing resources to try and kill them, but say la vie. I was mourning the loss of my fell beast. Um, okay, so this is where this is where the 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 tactics I think um, made a play. So. Uh, we're, at, we're about turn four. Gulivar has now flown back to where my race are, the general area. And if you remember, so I'm flying, um, I kind of bubbled down and around, and that's where Ingold's warband was. And so Ingold started sending a few of his uh, models. He was he was getting ready to make a break for the middle because he, he understood the game was coming to a conclusion, and he wanted to start getting guys in position. And so actually, when I, I had... Um, priority I, I actually immobilized or transfixed ingold to keep him um back and it what it did is it it, it um it forced him to keep three warriors with ingold to make sure ingold just didn't get swarmed within he charged i think two or three other ministerial warriors towards the middle who were in range of gulivar so gulivar flew over some crazy terrain got into a combat and unfortunately, he had two Citadel Guard longbowmen mounted. Those were the other two units. There was three Minister of Cav and then two uh, Citadel Guard with longbow, longbows on horse uh, who were taking pot shots, very scary pot shots um, at one wound ring rates. Golovar <laughs> uh, flew into combat with these couple Minister. I think I charged one because, again, I'm just at this point, I don't want to tempt any, any fate. I charged one soldier with the ability to combat and then fly into the two Citadel Guard. And it was with, it was like 11 inches, 11.9 inches. It was just on the cusp of range. It was so close. So Golovar gets a clutch combat, 
kills the warrior, flies into the two Citadel Guard, kills them. Golovar is now positioned perfectly in the middle with some strategic trees blocking material shots and the Rangers are out of position. So now the Rangers have to just full book it and they're going to be intercepted because they're rushing basically the same way as my orcs. So now I'm in a really good position. I can block off the Rangers. Denethor is having to retreat now because Golovar just moved 24 inches and now Golovar is within threat range of jumping on Denethor who only had like two Citadel Guard protecting him. Uh, so he had to back off with those models and the Witch King and the Tainted start coming towards the middle. Tainted still on horse, um, getting getting low on resources, but I'm, I'm feeling good. And at this point, from a break perspective, we were we were close. We're gonna have to talk about scoring. I'm not gonna spoil it. Look, I, I I remember the scoring in my head. So we were we were close in terms of breaking probably ten models each away from the breakpoint. So close in terms of kill count. Um, Boromir has just basically been stonewalled this entire game because now that I got Hurin off his horse, Hurin's Hurin is not able to come into the fight. I can go back to immobilizing and peppering Boromir with stupid spells. He's also rolling horrible on his duels. Um, okay, so now I rush. I start coming back to the middle, and I made a couple unfortunate plays here. The first is um, he is now in with his rangers. His rangers are all in threatening range of Golovar. The rest of Ingold's warband is now uh, in threat range. They're right on that bubble of whole ground. The Witch King and Tainted are right on the bubble. Everybody's here. So I, I had a move with the Tainted. I came in and still feared. I blew all his will. It was last turn. We're in the middle. We're fighting. I blew all of his will and still feared. Got all of the Rangers to run away. So now his warband of like eight, nine Rangers off the, off the objective. Gulavar who had gotten shot a few times. He was he was lower on wound. He got down to like two wounds, then was able to pick a combat of like one guy um, so he could regen, combat regen, kill, you know, two more models. Uh, and then my orcs were able to wall off a few people. But what I did is I didn't measure close enough. I, I assumed it was closer than it was. And my models, my orcs went to body block the last of his Gondor troops you know, the Citadel, Denethor's Warband, to block them from getting a chance. So I just kind of spread them out, control zones. There's no way they're getting to the objective. But I did that. What's hold ground? Six inches from yeah. the middle? I did that battle line seven inches away. Oh, and no. I, I, I probably had seven to ten orcs. Seven oh, no. inches away. So pretty critical mismeasure. On the other side, I didn't I, – I had some combats – but I had combats where I was engaging Ingold's warband, where Ingold was, he was, I was on the outside. So Ingold's troops were between my warriors and the objective. And so if for combats that he lost and wasn't killed, he would actually back into the six inch bubble. And so just speeding through this last combat, we, we, we pause because we know it's last turn. We do a quick tally. He needs seven kills to break me. There's no way I'm going to functionally break him. It was just, it was just a little bit too far off. Um, or however the math works. We're going to have to talk very carefully about scoring here. And then the center objective, there were a lot of key combats, but I'm out of resources. I've got nothing there. The tainted just blew away. The witch has got no might left. Um, and like two will, one will. It's something where I, I couldn't put him in combat. I think he had one will left. Had, couldn't put him in combat. And so it came down to, could he kill seven guys? And could I execute a few kills to get... Um, a significant advantage in the middle, like double, right? 
So we go through on the center objectives. I fail. I win the combat, which is worse, and I don't kill him. So his his Ingalls troops back in. So I go from having a double advantage to a single advantage on the central objective. So I, I misline my guys up. Um, and I think we probably had 12 or 13 combats total that round. He killed a seventh model on the very final fight. Ah. Breaking so without I, being broken. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about scoring because I think I messed something up here because the final score ended up being five to three. Okay. He broke me without being broken, so that got him his three victory points. Mm-hmm. I had more models. Maybe it's I had double. So I had double models on the objective because his, his hero was fine. So I was, I, what it was is I was, I think, one or two models from having triple the number of mm-hmm. orcs on the and evil models on the, on the objective versus as compared to him. Um, and so that would have been seven VPs instead of five, seven, three versus, you know, five, three. But yeah, and it five, three. Ah. I like how you're low key building this up for this horrible loss. And then, like, you, like, oh, yeah, but the the five was me. Like, wait, wait. I thought you were losing this game. Yes. It was well, playing down when you have Orcs Angmar and your only offensive threats are a Fell Beast and Gulivar. And Gulivar is like 36 inches away, and your Fell Beast goes down turn one of shooting. I was feeling stressed. Well, it sounds like to me, though, you had that nice little trick up your sleeve, which won you at least the game. Because had you not had the instill fear on that final turn, oh, yeah, I wonder, clutch. would you have had even double? Would you even had more models with how no, many Rangers were? Yeah, I think I, I think I scared away his hero and four or five Rangers. So, yeah, it, yeah that easily could have lost me the double count. Yeah. So I'm curious, up to this point, has the Tainted had the same impact as two Barrow Whites and no, five, four extra Orcs for you? Up to this point with two games played. So game one, 100%, because the Drain Courage. So there, there is the Paralyze, there's the potential for Paralyze. Um, but what the, the Tainted did for me game one against Rohan was Draining Courage, where I don't think Barrowites would have had enough time to have impact. And it was the channel. So I think it was the, the threat of channel. Um, but, okay. but game one, arguably two Barrowites maybe would have been better because more terror um, opportunity for the the Wozes. Game two, I would say that Tainted was probably my MVP. Golovar is always going to have an advantage um, in terms of just his kill potential and, and, the, and the amount of movement he had with the combats just going crazy. Uh, he covered some ground. He played great. But uh, the Tainted would have, I think, contested because the Tainted got me the mobility to reach out and Black Dart Knights that were coming to flank me. Knights who would have been fight four with Lances against my my completely exposed backline. And the Tainted with the mobility got to a position where he could Black Dart Huron's horse who was sneaking through terrain. So I think absolutely the additional range 10 inches plus the black dart range of 12 inches. I think that was more valuable than two barrel whites for this game specifically, just because we were so bottled up. All right. Well, nice job playing back from a deficit early on. I, I can't get this picture out. I don't know what movie it was. But I think it was Pirates of the Caribbean where the one pirate lands on the side of the ship and the cannon is sticking out and shoots him yep. as soon as he hits the yep. ship. That's, I feel like that's the witch king in this round, but... 
It was well, it was comical because I told I once once he told me what he was about to do. He was laughing. He's like, "Well, I'm going to shoot." <laughs> I was like, uh, "Say what?" And he's like, well, "I'm going to shoot." <laughs> and again, we did our quick rules check, and I was like, "You're going to shoot." <laughs> and I'm assuming at one of the orcs. <laughs> yeah, and he's like. And I was like, of course you have swift reload. He's like, yes, I have swift reload. And I was like, well, then of course you're going to roll a six. And then he like grinned and pulled two dice, rolled the six. He's like, of course. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, okay, great. And then he rolled four hits. I was like, shit. Because at that point I was like, maybe there's an opportunity. We'll bleep that out. But maybe there's an opportunity um, where he doesn't get all of the hits. Like maybe he gets two hits, three hits. Okay, I'm wounded. Am I dead? I've got two fate. Felbeast has got three wounds now. Four hits, four wounds. Felbeast dead. Wow. I hope you at least used the voice of Saruman and tried to convince him that you were really upset you left some orcs out in the way. <laughs> oh, like, I, oh, I tried to. Be, I forgot you I, could shoot. I left those orcs right there with swift reload. You're gonna get at least four of them. <laughs> oh, it was guys. I I peddled myself like no business. I I was like, hey, are you sure you don't want to split fire? The tainted is literally right next to him. Like literally, they're, they're side by side. You don't want to put any shots at the tainted. You could kill. You could kill his horse. The, the, the problem is, if knowing my luck, if I was to do something like that where I convinced them to split their targets, they'd delete both of them. <laughs> like, knowing my luck, I'd be like, no! After seeing four hits, yeah, very possibly. So, I... All right. Well, nice comeback on the win in game two. Uh, so you're two and two. Mitchell, you're one and two. Let's jump into round three, which the final game of day one? Yes. All yep. right. Let's hear it. So final game of day one, I have one major victory and one minor loss so far. Um, I actually played Robert, who Marcus just played. So he had the exact same Minas Tirith list, and he had the Azog's Legion list with Azog, a Gundabad captain, a Hunter Orc captain, um, I think another, oh, uh, uh, that's what, a Goblin Mercenary captain. With a bunch of goblin mercenaries, and he had. So this is real Azog's legion. This isn't the new. Yeah, this is real ambush. Azog's legion. Yeah, okay. this is real Azog's legion. And uh, also, can we rewind a little bit? Because one thing you just remind me, because we got to give a shout out. Because Robert, his his Gondor army was a hundred percent custom. Oh yeah. Hurin on his horse was custom. He yeah. the foot mount the foot model. He actually did some work on the arms and the sword. So Hurin the tall on foot is like leaning on his sword. He changed it to like a combat pose where Hurin was, you know, more action ready. His bolt thrower, his Avenger bolt thrower was custom built. Um beautiful. Uh all of his fountain court guard had custom customized, you know, wear gear so they looked a little unique. Um, all of his Citadel Guard were custom made on horse. They were actual Citadel Guard who were mounted units. It was it was an immaculate army. I didn't see his Azogs Legion, but I'm assuming it's the same thing. Well, his Azogs was just as beautiful, and he told me he had just painted that like that week or something like that. Rush painted. It looked amazing. It really did. Uh, it's it's um, difficult to make an evil army pop. That army popped. It really did. Um, especially his uh, Gundabads bats. Swarms, uh, the Gundabats or whatever they people are calling them, those um, war those bats, looked, right? Yeah, war bats. Those looked really good. I think he had like four of them. I can't remember. I think he had like three or four of those. Um, so we're 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 we've we've been released the scenarios. I the one I picked eventually was I know was to the death. Marcus, what was the scenario you played? Command the battlefield. 
Okay, so to the death, command the battlefield. Do you remember what the third one was? Was it uh, reconnoiter? I think it was reconnoiter. That sounds right. I think it was reconnoiter as the third one. So those were our scenarios. And he has two armies. I have two armies. Um, we roll to see who's good, who's evil. I won the roll off, so I'm trying to pick which one I want to play. Do I want to play my good versus he, his evil or my evil versus his good? Uh, do I want the rematch against Boromir and get that shattered banner or whatever he had? <laughs> like I was trying to debate this, but while I was debating this in my head, um, Robert, who was a phenomenal guy to play against, he was talking and I was t- telling him about my army and what I have. I told him about the Balrog list and then I mentioned my Rohan list. I said it has all seven heroes. And when he said that, he goes, oh, so Azog would just munch through that. Or he said, Azog loves that or something like that. And I remember thinking in my head, like, I don't know if it was like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong or something. I don't know what happened. But in my head, that just rung a bell. I'm like, I'm playing Rohan. (laughs) Yeah, I know what went through your head. Easterlings are bad, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, I think what what, what through my head was that... um, he because he was so reliant on Azog, I might be able to bait Azog out and kill him pretty quickly, knowing that I had so many tasty heroes for him to come after. So I said, I'm playing my Rohan. And uh, we we vetoed out, I believe I vetoed out Command the Battlefield because I had low model count, and he vetoed out Reconnoiter because I was so fast. Or maybe it was vice versa, I'm not entirely sure, but we played to the death. Um, which is basically... Break them, don't break, kill the leader, uh, and I believe have a banner. Uh, I believe that's the other one for it to the death. I actually have it right here. So banner, kill the leader, uh, break. But and... break's weird on this one. It's like three and five for breaking and not being broken. I think it's two and four for leader wounding versus killing. It's 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 heavily influenced yeah. on those two. Oh, and the last two victory points are if you quarter your opponent. Um, so I deployed pretty straightforward. I deployed right in the middle. I have two banners, obviously. So my goal was keep these banners alive. And I was trying to see, because I have the single drop warbands, I was able to drop, uh, just my single drop warbands and see where he came on entirely with his army. Cause he held his goblin mercenaries in reserve. Um, so I deployed those up as I kind of deployed right in the middle across from me. His hunter orcs was next to him along with his Gundabad, uh, Warbats. He had deployed his Gundabads with all the, the heavy armor. Those are the D6. Strength 4, I believe. Fight 3 Orcs. In the far corner. Away from me. And I believe that's because that's where he had his banner. So he was like, I'm going to castle up here with these guys. And I was, I was looking at that and go, sweet. They're way out of position. This is going to be really my chance to try to bait Azog out. Um, so I kind of pushed forward and just see what he did. Azog ran straight out with him. He, uh, I marched just to really emphasize that I'm going to rush too. So I moved 15 inches across the way. Um, Azog came straight out. Um, and I think this is where he made his critical mistake was the next turn, he pushed Azog forward a little bit more. And I was able to not charge, but get in range with all my throwing spears. So I ran in and I threw a ton of throwing spears. I think I threw eight or nine throwing spears all at Azog. And I think I put two wounds on the white warg 
and one wound on Azog with those nine throwing spears. It was ridiculous. It was crazy good. So he burned through all the fate. Did he have the armor on Azog? Yes, he did. Yep, he had the Azog. So I rolled a lucky six on one of the wounds on Azog, and I put two wounds on his warg, which I believe is D5, so it's fives needed there. Um, so he, his white warg stayed alive with one wound. Azog was able to fade it, so he didn't, uh, he didn't take the wound. Um, but the most critical part about that, when I blitzed him, he slightly left two warbats out of range of Azog for his heroic move. So they were outside six-inch bubble from Azog. So next turn, Azog heroic moved, and he ran away. He backed up like 10 inches or so, like eight inches or so, back towards his hunter orcs. Um, who were sitting in the middle. By the way, the hunter orcs were kind of still in the middle. They kind of climbed up on some terrain, and they were trying to take some shots at my Rohan heroes. They didn't hit anything yet or wound anything yet. And his Gundabad stayed in the corner. Goblin mercenaries had yet to come on yet. So when Azog moved away, he then realized that two warbats couldn't follow suit, and I had priority. So I charged those two warbats with four Royal Guard, killed them. I then decided this is my chance to really try to get Azog because he started running away. And I wanted to pin him before he got too far away or got surrounded by all of his help. So I really blitzed at Azog. I ran Aomir in. I was able to charge a Hunter Orc. I ran Durnhelm, Elfhelm, Theoden, Gambling, and Darewine up as far as they could. And I was really trying to press the advantage on Azog. I killed those two Warbats on the side. I think I killed a another warbat or a few hunter orcs or something like that but that ended the turn so azog still hasn't fought in a combat yet so the next turn we did our priority i believe he won which was huge but still doable for me uh i called Hurok move with elf helm and i was able to win that i believe but he wasn't able to bubble everybody that i had pressed up with it only the right side so the right side basically charged headlong in, and I was very careful on setting up the fact that Elfhelm and Durnhelm went into the same combat, and that Theoden and Darawine went into the same combat. No, slightly different. Sorry, Darawine ended up, I thought he was in the heroic move, but he wasn't. So um, Theoden actually went into, I believe, the same combat as Durnhelm, Elfhelm, and uh, Theoden. They were all three in the same combat. Aomir pressed up, and Gambling was trying to be a banner support. So Azog, when he had a chance to move, charged into Darawine. And basically what he was trying to do was hero combat, kill Darawine, go into Gambling, kill Gambling. That's what he was trying to set up. He still didn't have the support, though, around Azog still. The Gundabad started running up. The Hunter Orcs tried to run up and help a little bit, but they just weren't there. So the next turn, basically what I did was I called death. So I got my free heroics. I got Darewine to strike first, which forced Azog to strike. Uh, and then it, uh, he master of battled it. Okay, no problem. The big thing was he wasn't hero combating this turn. I called a hero combat with uh, Aomir. A hero combat with Durnhelm. Or sorry, a heroic combat with Elfhelm, a heroic strike with Durnhelm, and I believe a heroic strike with Theoden. Uh, I was really making up. And basically all those heroes, heroic combated, looped into Azog. We did a strike off. 
We both got to 10 because I had three striking heroes. I was able to roll the five with one of them. So I was able to get up to fight 10. Azog's fight seven already. He easily rolled the three, got to fight 10. He's surrounded and trapped. I've got huge charging bonuses. I won the roll off. I killed Azog. So um, that's basically what I was what I was going for is just the, the strike combat loop into Azog, trap him, surround him, get him. And he that was his first turn of combat. First turn of combat and Azog goes down. That's brutal. Yeah. That's that's what Did I was going for. White Ward 2? Yes. I killed the White Ward 2. So everything Ouch. everything died. Um, the uh, big thing, too, I will note, which plays into a, a big thing, is I have yet to lose a model. Uh, his Hunter Orcs did manage to score a wound on Gambling's Horse, but my favorite rule for Rohan, Horse Lord, came into play, and Gambling faded it. So I still have yet to lose a horse or a model. And Azog is dead. After that, it just became a hero combat frenzy. I at that point he had tried to recover with to help Azog, as I as you recall. But now they were in charge range with all my heroes and there was no Azog. So I basically charged, I had might everywhere. I was combat. I had the fight value advantage everywhere. I called combats. The next few turns were absolutely brutal. He then finally remembered his goblin mercenaries because he had forgotten them at this point because he lost Azog. So he's a little bit starstruck. And uh, goblin mercenaries came on, but they honestly, um, they came on on a train piece right next to trying to help. But it basically ended up being three of my heroes hero combated into those goblin mercenaries and deleted them pretty fast. Um, I think the game ended uh, when I quartered him. It ended before time, or right at time. We were we were, we were pretty close. He had a forty model army total, so forty models total, including Azog, including a few captains, Gundabads, everything. At the end of the game, he had six models remaining. Oof. I had yet to lose a model. No, I didn't lose a Wait, single model. You still didn't lose a model. I, I still didn't lose a model. Once Jeez. Azog died, my heroic combats, I was killing two to four orcs per turn with each hero. So that's six heroes just killing two to four, two to four, two to four. And it just just snowballed on him so hard. I was able to grab his banner. I was able to keep my banners alive. So I for, I scored a full 12-0 victory without losing a single model. That is probably the most brutal win i've ever had in my life i felt so bad for the guy he was taking it like a champ he was he was saying like you man did not yeah yeah i was rubbing his face but he was still a good sport no <laughs> he was you know he really was he was uh talking to me about his strategy he had a he had a good plan when he pushed azog up that his plan was to bring the goblin mercenaries in behind me and then kind of press with the hunters and surround me um, and it just didn't work out because the Gundabad bats were out of Azog's range and he had to pull back. So um, it just kind of snowballed on him. But that was by far the most brutal win I think I've ever had. It was just a massacre. Um, just anything Rohan wanted to do, they did, obviously. I mean, Azog what? didn't kill a single model, so that tells you something. What was your model count again with your Riders of Thaden? 19 total, including Mary. So 19, so 18 models. And you didn't lose. Oof. I didn't lose a single model. Yeah, it was just brutal. Uh, I just had the fight value advantage everywhere. Um, I had the might value. I think I spent close to 25 at least points of might 
maybe 26 if, if you include death um it was just it was a massacre yeah when rohan's not having to strike up with their heroes that's going to be a bad day mm-hmm. i'm curious who did he bring for his hunter hero who brought uh, the... just, it was just a hunter or captain on a warg okay all right well awesome way to get back in the win column i uh yep. Gosh, I feel like painful just listening to that. That yeah, seems, I know. Seems dirty. It was brutal. I mean, uh, I think the big thing for me was I was nervous that Azog was going to win that 50 50 roll off. He wouldn't have been able to kill really. I mean, he might have been able to kill a hero, but not two. But he would have still been. He only three attacks, right? Yeah, he only had three attacks. Only three attacks, and he wounds on threes. I might have been able to fade it or whatever happens. But the big thing for me was that if he did win the roll off, he's still surrounded by all my heroes who would have then just tried it again next turn. But luckily, I won the roll off first turn and was able to kill him first turn of combat for him. Well played. I love how you Marty McFly'd it too at the beginning. No one calls me chicken or calls my <laughs> Rohan a bad match. <laughs> well, I, I I can see what he means. Azog is very, very scary with threes plus to wound. And when he sees like, oh, there's seven Rohan heroes or whatever. He loves that. You know, I think it was just something in me snapped. And I was like, well, I'm playing Rohan. <laughs> you were triggered. <laughs> yes, you can say that. Uh, all right. Well, nice game. Marcus, what do you got for us in round three? So round three, I actually went and played on the board that Mitchell uh, played on in round two. It was like the Rohan. It was like a, a field with those little hills. They're small hills, but they're climbable, smooth hills with like a Rohan watchtower in the very middle. Small tower, not really um, impacting. I played, I think his name was Connor. He's actually from the Utah group. Um, they've got quite a contingent of people that they're playing pretty regularly. And he's building, he's like, helping build that scene. So it was kind of cool. We chatted about that for a little bit. Um, he brought, I only remember the good army he brought because again, I won the roll off and it was, it was another Rohan. They had in all of the heroes, uh, all mounted Rohan. And I wanted to go up against that with my flying monsters, having just played Mitchell, um, testing it out. I thought I had a pretty good opportunity and, and learned a few things from our game. So won the roll off, got to pick Ingmar, he picked Rohan. And then for scenarios, it was, uh, command the battlefield is what we ended up playing. So on the deployment, I won priority, so I deployed first. Uh, what happened was I rolled pretty well. I can't remember if I rolled first or he rolled first. The deployment, it it, it wasn't super impactful, so I, I think I won priority, so I deployed first. Um, no, nah, I'm going to screw that up. I think he won. Anyways, he's got so many. He's got Rohan. So it's all one hero, you know, warbands. So he's rolling. And essentially, he was heavily concentrated up in the top right. Again, I'm just based on where I am. The top right corner of the board uh, in between some hills. So that's where a large portion of his army comes on the table, kind of on two, the two corner edges there. And then the big one was Aemir and Darawine came on, again, the um, exact opposite corner of the board. So they're definitely separated. And then I deployed, uh, rolled really well for deployment. All of my heroes got to pick basically where they came on. And so I, I deployed the Tainted farther down on the right board edge because I didn't want to get swarmed. I deployed the Witch King within fly range of the edge of his cavalry contingent 
up uh, again further up on the board edge and then i deployed Golivar right between like right in the middle of his army um right right on this kitty quarter board edge but i deployed Golivar in a way where he moved on and then the orcs moved on around him so there would be no way to 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 move combat and get to Golivar turn one it was basically Golivar was protected with the ability to kind of fly out of that formation and so uh right away his forces split. He's got a lower model count. I think he had somewhere in the mid twenties because he didn't have as many heroes as you brought, Mitchell. Mm. He had Gambling, Theoden, Amir, Darawine, Durnhelm. That's five. He so didn't have Elf. Helm. Is that the sixth one? Yeah, Elf. Helm. Okay, so Elf Helm was converted to Rohan Royal Guards. So just a little bit higher numbers. Um, the so right away he he um, heroic moves. Or moves, whatever. He's he's getting away because he's definitely within threat range of both flying monsters. And I've got the spells to reach out and grab. I do end up grabbing um, two uh, two cavalry, fly them in. Felbeast gets uh, a couple easy kills, and so we're we're in pretty good shape. And because of my deployment, I I jumped on a few of his models um, up at the very top. So the 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 warband that came up came on um up high and with the rest of his contingent he he bolts for the middle to try and regroup with darawine and um aomir coming from the opposite end of the board kind of reset the table take advantage of his movement etc so that's early on um i feel like i had a pretty significant deployment advantage just because the way he he rolled uh so i spread out with the tainted warband spreads out to to potentially meet or contest the bottom two quadrants slash meet whoever comes to attack and the tainted migrated a little bit towards the middle to just be spellcaster support um Golivar's warband of orcs uh definitely start marching to take uh take center line on the top two quadrants and again fight whoever is going to come meet them but what ended up happening i think this was turn three so the second turn of combat um per your advice mitchell i was really trying to think about the compel opportunities so i i was able to um get gulivar so he moved away right so he's he's still moving to the center board this at this point theoden durnhelm and gambling and the host of their rohan royal guards are basically in the center of the board Golivar and 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 somewhat consolidated because he was doing a i think it was a heroic move that let him get away mm. quick so they're they're very bunched up. This and is my just so you know. This is like my nightmare as an all cav army is seeing this situation right here. <laughs> well, what happened next was I was able to get into a combat within twelve inches, so fly range of of that warband that ran away. You were able to pull a, a model out, fly into him, hero combat. No, it was somebody outside the move. So there was oh, there was okay. a Mulav to force. He he got some people away, not everybody. Golovar jumps on a horse that's within 12 inches of the warband. So the, th the thought was he's going to hero combat and then he's going to go jump on the warband that's running away from him. And then um, I think it was the Witch King was in within range to fly out and then compel. And so I did a little bit of lining up of models within the warband that was running away from me. Golovar then combated, jumped to the front of the line, and got a hurl off and the hurl was pretty brutal of his like low 20 mid 20 model count the hurl knocked out theoden's horse gambling's horse so there's two heroes um 
I think, and then I think it was four Rohan Royal Guards and a warrior. So I think it was uh, a seven. It was a seven horse hurl, uh, dismounting a lot of units. And so from that brutal. point, he was he was significantly on his back foot. So I'm and he's point, pinned and he's pinned in the middle. So this is command the battlefield. So it's get to the yeah, edges. Yeah. yeah. So what he did next was um, concede. <laughs> no. no he did the exact I, I would say honestly like things were not looking great i killed probably four or five horses just in combats by jumping on people early with a deployment plus then you think about that huge hurl so he's down on model counts right but but this is what he does so remember my fell beast flew out to go get this compel lined up next turn dernhelm goes yolo <laughs> 10 inches dernhelm wasn't in the the hurl Charges the Witch King on Felbeast. Nice. Okay, I've got I've got thematic and scary because of that. Yes. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah. Well, will history just, repeat itself? Ironically, too, you just knocked Theoden off his horse too with the witch. <laughs> so just, just, oh, King, King, it gets better. <laughs> so I'm thinking, like, hey, Witch King's got full resources. He's on Felbeast. Durnhelm is about to get swarmed by probably 15 orcs. The taint is there to provide support as well. It's like, okay, that happens. Golovar keeps pestering. I, I stay away from the whole strike. So he's playing a little bit passively, but I'm, I'm still engaging to whittle that war bend down. Darrowine and a significant amount of knights are now pressuring the bottom two quadrants. So I had orcs with no support, right? They're just off on there. They have no hero support. Um, they're down here. And Dernhelm engages hard. And the way, not Dernhelm, sorry. Uh, Darrowine engages hard. And... In my mind, I started to get concerned because he engaged with a charge. They're Rohan Royal Guards. They get the charge. They get the strength bonus. And I have some D4. There's a lot of D4 because of shields. Um, a lack of shield. I didn't have shields on all of my spearmen. And so he's able to get to backline and pester. Darawine has three points of might. So I know he's going to have move control. He's going to have charges um, throughout. So... I, I honestly started to think like honestly once the witch king on once the witch king kind of frees up from this combat he's going to have to go fly south to go help these people um, to a degree because I could easily see myself losing I probably had fifteen or eighteen orcs down on this um, bottom bottom two quadrants so that turn of combat um, again bringing my force to bear to meet Theoden in that middle dead zone also pestering the top two quadrants to secure those we get down to the um, the the fight phase and in classic marcus fashion i decided not to strike it's three attacks versus three attacks if he strikes he's burning a point of might he's so far up gambling i'm just whittling things down strength three strength four on the charge d8 d6 on the fell beast um i thought the might on the wish king would be more valuable for heroic move support down south so i was like i'll take a turn do your worst um and then we'll settle up next turn when you get trapped, surrounded, and you'll die. Uh, Dernhelm obliterates, wins the combat, strikes, wins the combat, obliterates the Witch King. We're talking, she had to use, I think it was one point of might to do, to do the three wounds. I didn't even roll my fate. I had oh, one wow. wound, two fate. She obliterated him. So again, wow. this is now the second game in a row where the Witch King actually did something this game, but this is like, what, turn three, turn four, maybe? 
Witch King's dead. He, full resources. He had three might, twelve will, whatever it was on Fell Beast. He's dead. So now <laughs> Connor's like, actually, and I have significant board control and board presence, you know, down here on the south end. Now all of a sudden the game completely pivoted. It went from looking bleak as all get out with that hurl going off to actually my leader's dead. Those are VPs. I lose all my spell casting potential, my flying monster potential. Um, very thematic. And so then it goes down to what is happening with this south quadrant. And I will I will chuckle embarrassingly to the end of my days in terms of I have never seen charging. We'll just fast forward. This is three turns because all three might were used to secure priority in the charges. Uh, maybe it was three or four turns. I don't remember how many I won. He had, we'll say, just for the sake of numbers, six Rohan Royal Guard plus Darawine charging. And in four turns, he lost all six Rohan Royal Guard. Um, Darawine lost his horse. And I think I lost two orcs. Oh my gosh. Best troops in the game. <laughs> it was. Angmar orc warriors. And I'm not talking like close. It's like, hey, I, I did. I was rolling very hot. But like, let's just, I was rolling fours. Okay. I shielded fours. Four high. Rohan Royal Guard. Two attacks. Snake eyes. Next Rohan Royal Guard. One, two. Next roll Rohan Royal Guard. Two, two. I think it was legitimately probably the third turn of combat before a warrior rolled higher than a three to win the duel. Um, on the turns that he's charging to create that significant advantage and, and likely delete all of the orcs and take back those two quadrants, right? So... With the uh, the Witch King got punched because left him very exposed and and Durnhelm that blitz with Durnhelm just rocked me. Uh, went from looking very bleak to his his Rohan Royal Guard totally totally blowing it totally blowing wow. it for him um, down on the South Quadrant. So I I took the numbers advantage. He lost the advantage there. I jumped on those two quadrants. So that's um, controlling both. So there's two and four. I controlled the upper two quadrants because Theoden's warband of people that were just trying not to die were stuck in the dead zone. He did have a model that try and ran, but I just, I ran, you know, seven orcs over there to have a, a overwhelming advantage. And so I had all of the quadrants controlled. That's eight points. Um, I think so. And he killed the Witch King, which I believe is two points. Mitchell's looking up the scoring here. Yeah. Uh, so one to two for killing the leader, one to two for breaking, and one to two for each quadrant. Oh, okay. So then this is what it was. Then I, I put a wound on Thaden at some point. I broke him. So that gets me to 10. And then he killed. And then he killed um, the Witch King. So 10 2 was the final score. 10 2. Another major Very victory. Nice. nice. So that's uh, two major wins, one minor win for you, Marcus. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. 3 and 0. Oh. Yeah, great way to polish off day one. Mm -hmm. So he's three and zero, oh and you're two and one, Mitchell. Yes. Okay. Yes. With a a minor loss. And Marcus, you've only played your evil army through day one. Yep. Ingmar. Ingmar, Ingmar all three, and Mitchell, you played one Moria list. Yes. Two Rohans. All right. 